Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Oh, yeah. Better than this. I don't know what I'm doing. I can't do this shit. What's better than this? Guys, me and dudes here on the Draft Dudes Podcast, presented by Locked On. It's Joe Marino and Kyle Krabs from the Draft Network. We are your hosts here on this Wednesday edition of the show. Kyle, somebody tasked us with making a lineup of future Hall of Famers based on current players. And we said challenge accepted. That's what we're doing today. Welcome. We're making a whole team, an entire roster, starting roster. And this is an unenviable task. It's going to be some tough cuts. Because I'm looking yeah, at Yeah, like there's going to be guys yeah. that aren't going to make this list that are going to be in the Hall of Fame. So I think in those situations, the discussion will be on who is the most, you know, obvious, the number one of that tier. Like quarterback's going to be tough. There's probably five in the NFL right now, maybe four. We only can pick one. I'm not picking four. So should be some good debate. And depending on positions, there may be some of these guys that end up being Hall of Very Good that don't get in the Hall of Fame at all. That's true. But we're just acknowledging they they have a, a resume and we'd like to identify them as being guys on the team. But, Joe, we got over 50 names written down here Do we? across all positions. Yeah. So um, I think we should dig right yeah, in. Yeah, listen, huh? hey, if Curtis Martin and Jerome Bettis can be Hall of Famers, anyone can. Well, running backs are different. I don't get it. I don't get it. So some of the, let's yeah. not open up the can <laughs> worms. We're doing quarterback first. We're going to pick a quarterback to go on our roster. Now, is this objective, Joe, to win games today or just the guys we thought were the best at their prime? How? What angle are we taking building this? I think team? I think I'm taking the angle of the most obvious Hall of Famer that fits the starting lineup that we have to assemble. Not anything to do with the one we would choose right now. Not who was the best. Well, yeah, it would be who is the best. Yes. Um, yeah. Okay. So who's the best of the best of active players yeah. at each position? And we're going to build a yeah, roster. Yeah, considering their entire resume in the NFL. Okay. Well, that makes quarterback real easy, doesn't yeah, that, it's Eli Manning. Of course. <laughs> we have written down six yeah. names. Aaron Rodgers, Phil Rivers, Tom Brady, Drew Brees, Eli Manning, Russell Wilson. This has to be Tom Brady. Yeah, it's Tom. I mean, just, just relative to the production he's been able to put on the field, the team success, the championships, the passing records, the longevity, all the boxes are checked. Who's number two? I think he's the Who's goat, number two? Which sucks. Who's number two? Breeze, right? It's Breeze. You didn't put Big Ben on I, there. Huh? I didn't do that. So I probably should have. He's on there now. Okay. Uh, I still think it's Breeze. Breeze is still yeah. the two. And then I'd probably go Rogers. Yeah. And Russ, Russ can push uh, to be two or three by the time it's right. all said and done, but he's still got a lot of time. He sure does. Blessed. Um, so Tom Brady's the quarterback on our roster. Okay. Uh, running back. We have three names written down. 
uh, the only three players in the NFL active to have over 10,000 rushing yards. It's a big number, right? You consider the the short shelf life of a lot of running backs and being able to have that kind of production over that much time is significant. So that leaves us with Frank Gore, Adrian Peterson, and LaShawn McCoy, Joe. I'd be, do you have the information in front of you on who has more rushing yards between AP and Frank Gore? Yes. What, what is it? Frank Gore came into the league in 2005 and has 15,136 rushing yards. Adrian Peterson came into the league in 2007 and has 13,625. So in two extra years, Frank Gore currently has approximately uh, 1,500 more rushing yards over the over two extra years. I think at his peak, AP was a better running back than Frank Gore. Is that do you agree with that? I don't think that's debatable. Um, I Frank Gore was turnkey, right? You knew exactly what you were going to mm-hmm. get. Very consistent, but AP's first seven years in the league. You know, he had set, he he led the league and he's led the league in rushing three times. Um, and in the first seven years he was in the league, he was a pro bowler. One, two, three, four, seven of his first eight <laughs> years. And he was an all pro running back three uh, of those first eight seasons, including two of his first three years in the league. And then there's just Fr- Frank Gore, on the other hand, is is just very very consistent for a long long time so do you go with the peaks being much higher or the guy that was excellent for a longer period of time the the consistent i actually have one thing i'd like to look at here because this is a position as you look that up we're only picking one running back so this is a situation where they both go in but we're only picking one for this exercise we do have shady mccoy on this list um, who's he's a debatable Hall of Fame caliber running back, but I think that he's definitely a very, very distant three compared to AP and Gore. Okay, this is no contest. Um, you know how many times in Frank Gore's career he's had more than 10, 10 touchdowns in a season? Maybe th- two or three times. Once. Oh in 2009 with the San Francisco 49ers, ironically enough, a, game, a season in which he only played 14 games. <laughs> uh, he had 13 total touchdowns. And 1,500 yards from scrimmage that season. Um, I actually did not know Frank Gore had a year. His second year in the league was over 2,000 all-purpose yards. Good player. 2,100 all-purpose yards. Adrian Peterson uh, as your foil. Uh, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. First seven years in the league had more than 10 touchdowns. Write, write his name down. Write his name down. We're... AP's the guy. Yep. Dominant. Dominant football player. And he has a 2,000-yard rushing season. Averaged 131 rushing yards per game as a 27-year-old in 2012. Yeah, AP's the guy. Takes us to wide receivers, Joe. Uh, We're going to get a significant number of these guys making the cut. I think this is pretty cut and dry, but we're taking three wide receivers. Larry Fitzgerald, Julio Jones, A.J. Green, DeAndre Hopkins, T.Y. Hilton are the names that we have written down at this point in time. Sir, that's the right mix, right? I mean, there's some really good young receivers, but 
no one else with the resumes these guys have put together for a sustainable period of time. I think we can, yeah, we're go- we're going with three of these. I think we can easily put Larry Fitzgerald in there. Yes. And I like Larry because Larry is, he's kind of evolved in his career. He's kind of become more of a um, slot guy. So you get some versatility mm-hmm. there um, with, with being able to, to not just handcuff your, yourself and say, well, we took three guys, uh, but nobody can really play the slot. I, I, I do do want to bring one more name to the table here, Joe. You think it's an obvious slam dunk? Yes. Okay. Ah, he's not in the league. Antonio Brown. Well, yeah, if he he's was in a- the league, he'd be in there. Oh, come on. Uh, here, Okay, I'm going to be a coward. I'd say we put him in there because – He's still think- an active player. Put, put him in there. Put him in there, but I think this helps us narrow it down a little bit, and that's what I like about it. So Antonio right, Brown's where- in. Larry Fitz is the active NFL's active receiver in yards mm-hmm. is 16,718 yards. He's been in the league 15 years. So he's a no brainer anyway, because he's got longevity, the receiving production he's put out. Um, Julio Jones, I think is another obvious one. So that's our three. Well, did we commit to putting Antonio Brown on the team? I at least wanted to present him for argument's sake. I think we need to have a a with and without Antonio Brown. So if we include Antonio Brown, our mix is Larry Fitzgerald, Antonio Brown, and Julio Jones. If we don't, it's Larry Fitzgerald, Julio Jones, and Hopkins. To me, it's down to Hopkins and, and Green, right? Yeah. But Hopkins almost it has almost surpassed Green from a production standpoint. In less time. And he's been in the league two, two less years. So it's Nuke over A.J. Green. Yes, I think so. How close is Nuke to 10,000 yards? Because A.J. Green's at 8,907. 8, Nuke's at 7,945. Yeah. So, so Green's less than or less than a thousand yards ahead of Nuke, and Nuke had to play his first couple years with like T.J. Yates. Yeah. He had a different Brock Osweiler. I think his first four years in the NFL, a different quarterback led Houston in passing. Yeah, crazy. And How many touchdowns did he have? Nuke. Yeah, fifty. And, and A.J. Green is sixty-three. It's not that easy of a decision. I think we've seen the best of AJ Green, and Nuke Hopkins is only twenty-seven years old. All right, and AJ Green's thirty-one. Yes, and for every game that AJ Green does not play this year, <laughs> Nuke's going to continue to close ground, and he's younger. I think it's Nuke. Okay, I'm with you. Okay. We got tight ends to talk about here in just a second, but before we do, I want to tell you about my bookie, our sponsor today. As a true football fan, you know just as sure as the seasons change that Tom Brady will keep the Patriots in every game. Every weekend, our favorite gridiron warriors put their skills to the test, so why aren't you doing the same? We're almost halfway through the NFL season, so now is the time to get off the sidelines and get in the game with my bookie. 
MyBookie is the premier place to bet on all your favorite pro and college football action every weekend. They always have the most up-to-date lines and the most prop bets of any sports book on the planet. So if you're going to bet this season, do the smart thing and bet with the best at MyBookie. If you're the kind of guy that likes to bet a little and win a lot, try a parlay. Pick your locks for the week, put them together in one parlay bet, and when they all come through, the rewards will be huge. Tired of watching the football games from the couch with nothing to gain? My bookie wants to get your mind off everything else and back in the game. Best part is if you join right now, my bookie will double your first deposit. That's right. If you put $1,000 in, they'll give you $1,000. That's double your initial deposit you can use to make all your bets this season. Use promo code locked on to activate that offer. That's promo code locked on to double your cash. Visit mybookie.ag today. You play, you win, you get paid. Kyle, this tight end uh, discussion is fun. Well, first of all, that read got me real sad. And you're talking about halfway through the season already. Yeah. Well, it just, I, think I that mean, it needs to be acknowledged. The silver lining for you, though, is Kyle, is there's only how many the more free money it. bets the rest of the way? <laughs> yeah. I paid out Patrick Brown um, <laughs> last night. And actually, uh, I did, I felt bad. Uh, I had somebody else who did send one to me, but it slipped through the cracks. Oh no. So I'm doubling down this week. I told told John, I said, pick a bet. And if it doesn't hit, I got your back. Oh man, Kyle. Yeah, Kyle just, just give it free money, man. Just, Literally free money. Wow. Um, yeah, that you guys look have that to look forward to tomorrow. We'll do our uh, top twenty five picks. Uh, t- time time out. Time out. Yeah. Time out. Yeah. Okay. Need to revisit wide receiver real quick. Whoa. Okay. Antonio Brown has to be the name. Of I'm, looking he's at, the, I'm, I'm looking at his – do we realize how bonkers his numbers have been the last do. five years? We do. Six he's years. Just, he's just the not last, an active player. I, he's an active player. He's not on a team. He's not on an active roster. He hasn't retired. Joe, his receptions the last six years, 110, 129, 136, 106, 101, 104. He's, his receiving yardage. He's exceptional. I, I, I 1498, and just being such a terrible human being. You know, he doesn't he I would say he doesn't deserve the privilege to be on an NFL team right now, but he's an active player and just based on the on the field merit because I don't think his conduct off the field should be totally drowned out for the sake of this exercise. Factor fiction AB is the next Hall of Fame inductee that uh, does an induction speech off uh, away from Canton, like Tyrell Owen style. Oh, no question. Yeah, you know he ain't going to be there. There's no question. <laughs> <laughs> All right, tight ends. Yep. Let's get back on track here. I think it's pretty obvious. There's some good tight ends, some historically good tight ends. Jason Witten's the guy, man. Yes, because he has the longevity. Right. Greg Olsen's do, done I, really good things. I mean, he's the only NFL tight end, I think, to have three consecutive 1,000-yard seasons. Kind of a late bloomer. His production's really good, but I mean, Witten's like all time great. Now, I do have a question for you. Do you know yeah. who the NFL's, which NFL tight end who's active has the most receiving touchdowns? 
Uh, is it Jimmy Graham? It is Jimmy Graham. Jimmy Graham has 74 receiving touchdowns. Jason Witten has 70. Jason Witten started playing in 2003. Jimmy Graham started playing in 2010. Graham has four more touchdowns in seven less years. So you think Graham, you think, do you think it's a debate here or do you think Graham's I just, number two? I just think it's an interesting. I didn't realize that Jimmy Graham, relative to Jason Witten, who's been a staple for so long and obviously took the year off last year. And thank God he came back because I can't imagine listening to him in the booth for another year. <laughs> this is it's kind of like the Frank Gore versus AP, but the peaks for Jimmy Graham were not to the degree in which we saw with AP. Well, and and the thing about that's different. Well, no, it's not really. I mean, Witten's receptions and yards, I think, are historically high. But I mean, so are Frank Gore. So it's it's not necessarily the same conversation. I think the stretch from 2007 to 2012 for Witten makes him the guy. Yeah, he had four 1,000 yard seasons in five years and the in six years, and the two that he missed, he had 952 and 942. Yeah, it's, it's Witten. It's just Jason Witten. Okay, this is going to be a challenge, Joe. we got to do offensive line now. Yep. Let's start with the left tackle. we got Tyron Smith, Dave Bakhtiari, Jason Whitworth, or Andrew Whitworth, Jason Peters, Joe Staley, Trent Williams. Jason Peters. Yes, I agree. This is where it gets weird. <laughs> One of the all-time great like stories, too. Yep. Do you remember? Did you? Was it Ross Tucker that told that story with him in Buff from his time in Buffalo? Do you have you heard this? I have not. So Ross Tucker was in Buffalo when Peters first came in and was a tight end at the time, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. And they called Peters over to do pass blocking drills. And Ross said it was the most, one of the most, I'm, this is not a direct quote, but he said one of the most demoralizing things in his career to watch a tight end come over and look so incredibly natural and be better than every offensive lineman in camp in the pass protection drills as a guy that hadn't even converted over to offensive tackle yet, but was still a tight end. They say he was far and away the best in pass protection of anybody there as a, as a blocking tight end. I mean, I I remember when the Bills got him as a UDFA. He's very athletic tight end out of Arkansas. And, like, he kicked, I think he caught J.P. Lozman's first touchdown pass in the NFL. I remember being at a game, and Jason Peters was on the kickoff team, Kyle. He was running down the field on kickoff. (laughs) What a great story. Oh, he's a Hall of Fame left tackle. He started a million games. Yeah. 188 games started. Unbelievable. At tackle. So he's the guy. Oh, he's the guy. Do we want to go left to right, or do we want to get our other tackle? I, I think we need to settle on our other tackle and close that. This, this is difficult. <laughs> well, I think I'm. I mean, to kind of narrow it down, I'm gonna I'm gonna favor longevity more than you know David Bakhtiari. He's the best tackle in the game right now, but the sample. I mean, the, the amount of time these other guys have been outstanding and is just to me, it takes him off the list. Even, even maybe even the same with Tyron Smith, and I think it gets it down to Whitworth, Staley, Williams. Here's my challenge. 
Okay. These guys aren't right tackles. Doesn't have to be. It should be though, right? We're building a team. All right, I mean, come on, these guys are gonna have to bounce around. It's gonna have to happen. Well, if you if you want to go, do you subscribe at all to approximate value from Pro Football Reference? I don't subscribe at all because I don't know what it is. Well, it's kind of like a, I don't want to say it's like a war, you know, like a baseball term. You familiar with war? Yeah, wins above replacement. Yep. Yeah, it's kind it's kind of like that. Whitworth is the highest active offensive tackle on the list. Okay. And this should make you feel good. Larry Fitzgerald, Whitworth, and Frank Gore are the only players listed above Jason Peters. Oh, so Whitworth's got to go in. Yes. I mean, mean, he deserves it. I mean, he's been unbelievable for a long time. It's a shame he wasted so much of his career in Cincinnati. Yeah. He was great there, too. He was excellent there. No question. Andrew Whitworth has a higher approximate value than Michael Irvin does. Really? (laughs) Yes. Okay. I think one of the guards is easy. Zach Martin. Really? It's Yanda and Martin are the two. Yeah, but I think Yanda ahead of Martin more, more time. All right. Well, I didn't know if we were going to disrespect anybody if we listed them in the wrong order. Excuse me. (laughs) Marshall Yanda, Zach Martin. And then that brings us to centers. We've got Jason Kelsey and Mike Pouncey. Or Marquise Pouncey. Yeah, Marquise Pouncey. Steelers. Who's the better Pouncey? Yeah. Um, You have any compelling uh, reasons to go either direction on this one? I just, I just think Peters is so dynamic with what he does in the run game for Philly and has been for several years now. And that leads you towards Kelsey. Yes, I think Kelsey's my pick. Okay, uh, let me look. Uh, one more thing here with Marquise Pouncey. Yeah, it's oh, this is tough. Um, I mean, Pouncey has a more decorated career. I'll tell you that. What does he have for accolades? Uh, Pro Bowl, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven times. And two-time first-team All-Pro. Kelsey is a Pro Bowler, one, two, three, one, two times. And he's All-Pro two times. Wow, the disrespect for Jason Kelsey is real. Yeah, I don't. Maybe there was somebody, you know, Pro Bowl's popularity contest. Um, once uh, Pouncey started 114 games, Kelsey started 117 games. They both so won only, a Super Bowl. I just think Kelsey's the better player, and I think he's still the better player. Okay, I don't. I don't have enough ammunition to fight you on it. All right. Very good. Very good. Very good. Defensive ends. We're running a four-man front here, Joe. Yep, yep. So we had the names that we have written down are Terrell Suggs, Chandler Jones, Khalil Mack, Ryan Kerrigan, Von Miller, Cam Jordan, and Cameron Wake. Yeah, I know where I would want to go with this, but before we do, can we talk about Chandler Jones for a second? I mean, this guy's been unbelievable. Yeah, like pretty quietly, right? He's got eight and a half sacks this year in seven games. Last year, 13, 17, 11, 12 and a half, six, 11 and a half, six. He's got 85 and a half sacks. 
he's 29 years old. Like, is there a, I mean, we, everyone was on the Ryan Kerrigan's the most like underrated player in the NFL. Like, can we get Chandler Jones in that conversation? Well, I think the the big problem with, with Chandler, why nobody really appreciates him anymore is he went from playing in New England to playing in Arizona. He was traded. Chandler Jones' middle name is Dwight Stone. So his name is Christopher Dwight Stone Jones. What a name. Dwight Stone Jones. Yeah. What a badass. Yeah, and goes by Chandler. Imagine. Um, I know who I'd pick it for my two edges. It's easy for me. Can we talk about how Chandler and he's in his fourth year. He's played three and a half years in Arizona. Yeah. He has 49 and a half sacks in three and a half years in Arizona. I know, dude. He's unbelievable. Dude. And 81 QB hits. For loss in, in 2017 as an all pro. How does this man not have more accolades? It's it's disgusting. He's unbelievable. He made the Pro Bowl once with the Patriots in 2015 and then Pro Bowl again and All-Pro in 2017 when he had 17 sacks and 28 tackles for loss. Like his down year is 12 sacks and 15 <laughs> tackles for loss. Yeah, and 30 quarterback Jeez. hits. He's unbelievable. All right, so who are your two? Again, this goes towards my my lean towards the accomplished longevity type players. And with that in mind, I go Terrell Suggs and Cam Wake. Oh, you are a saint, my friend. Did you think I was going to fight you on Wake? Yeah, I did. I thought oh, you were going to go Von Miller. No, especially after what was his just what was the vertical again? I can't I can't stop. Oh, it was it. like it was like I think it was like 43 and a half. 45 and a half, Kyle. Here it is. 45 and a half. I can't, and a half in Virch. I can't get over that. I won't. That will never be normal to me. Can't wait. Unbelievable. 100, 100 and a half sacks in 151 games. Imagine if this dude started playing like when he was like 22 or 21. Yeah, he started playing in the NFL when he was 27 years old. Yes. 27-year-old rookie. So from ages and 27 t- to 37, he's ranked up. He's racked up 100 sacks. 100 and a half. Crazy. 99 of them with the Miami Dolphins. 10 years, 100 and a half sacks, 99 tackles for a loss, 221 quarterback hits, 22 forced fumbles. He's He is the real, like, gem of just underrated. Think about, like, the, the accolades. I'm looking at the list right now of the active sack leaders in the NFL. Terrell, Terrell Suggs, for all the time he played in Baltimore, very household name, right? Yeah. Von Miller came in the league in 2011. 100 and a half sacks to this point in his career. Very much a household name. Does the old spice bit, so on and so <laughs> forth. You know, very popular guy. Then there's Cameron Wake, who has the same amount of sacks as Von Miller. And then it's JJ Watt, Clay Matthews. And then we get into the other underrated guys, and like Ryan Kerrigan and Chandler Jones, who have 86 and a half and 85 and a half, came in the league right around 2011. But nobody talks about Cam Wake. Suggs and Wake. I'm writing them in. Suggs and Wake. Terrell Suggs, man. 16, what, 17 years, 137 and a half tack, uh, sacks, 199 tackles for loss, almost 200 quarterback hits, 37 force fumbles. Suggs is weird. Suggs is weird because, like, you've expected him to drop off, like, he won't do it. 10 times now. He won't do it. 
he will not do it. The Achilles, the was the, the Achilles in 2015. I thought he was done, Kyle. Yep, played one game, then he came back, and in the two seasons afterwards, he had 19 <laughs> sacks and 22 tackles for loss. <laughs> He's got five sacks in seven games this year for the Cardinals. Yeah, it's stupid. Yeah, and he was never athletic. He was right. never an athlete. Um, four eight four forty yard dash. 262 pounds. But damn it, he knows how to rush the passer, man. Showed up. But he knows how to rush the passer. Stud. All right, so Suggs and Wake settled. They're in. Yep. Yep. Um, Defensive tackles. I think this is probably the easiest one yet. Well, we have four names down. Geno Atkins, who's been unbelievable in his career. He's been the best defensive tackle in that class that produced Sue and Jerome McCoy. Um, we got J.J. Watt, of course, Calais Campbell, Aaron Donald. But I think the dominant stretches of Aaron Donald and J.J. Watt might be the most dominant stretches of any position in NFL history. Yes. And that's the picks. Easiest picks we'll make today. Yeah, it, it, I mean, I've said it before. You've said it. We're going to tell our grandkids about the time we watched J.J. Watt play football over that was a four- or five-year stretch. And, and what Aaron about, Donald's doing right now is unbelievable. How about Aaron Donald against uh, Devonta Freeman this weekend? Jesus, man. Had him by the throat, just carrying him. <laughs> Freeman's feet kicking like he can't reach the ground. Monster. Just an absolute physical monster. And, you know, he's probably one year away from from taking that mantle from Watt as far as, for me personally, the best stretch of football I've seen over four or five years in my personal lifetime. Yeah, he's not slowing down. He, he's no, he's getting better. We still got the uh, the back seven to get to here, but before we move on, I need to tell you about our sponsor, Blue Chew. Now you can increase your performance and get extra confidence in bed. Listen up, bluechew.com. That's blue like the color blue. Blue Chew brings you the first chewable with the same FDA-approved active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, so you know they work. You can take them anytime, day or night, even on a full stomach, and since they're chewable, they work up to twice as fast as a pill, so you can be ready whenever an opportunity arises. Now, this just isn't for guys who can't perform. It's for any guy who wants extra function to enhance their performance in the bedroom. Blue Chew is prescribed online and shipped straight to your door in a discreet package. So no in-person doctor's visits, no waiting in the pharmacy, and best of all, no more awkwardness. They're made in the USA, and since Blue Chew prepares and ships direct, they're cheaper than a pharmacy. Right now, we've got a deal for our listeners. Visit BlueChew.com and get your first shipment free when you use our special promo code Locked On. Just pay five bucks for shipping. Again, that's B L U E com promo code locked on to try it free. Blue Chew is the better, cheaper, faster choice, and we thank them for sponsoring the podcast. Kyle Linebacker is, is we had a tough time kind of coming up with a list of names here. A lot of the, the, the exciting linebackers right now are very young players, and even the players we're going to talk about are young. So we're only going to pick two. Yeah, we're picking two. We're going three corners. It's the way the league's going. Mirrors the offense that we put together. I think it's the right call. Uh, the names we have written down are Luke Keekley, Thomas Davis, uh, Clay Matthews III, and Bobby Wagner. I'm, just have I'm, to put Clay Matthews I'm partial. What's that? Do you think we have to put Clay Matthews, or should we have thought of him more as an edge-type player? He probably should have been, but he spent some time in Green Bay there. It's not what's going to put him in the Hall of Fame. It's his time as an off-ball line. You know what? He's not my pick anyway. Right, my, picks, my, my picks are Keekley and Wagner. I don't disagree with you. I think those two have been the best two linebackers in the game for a nice stretch right now. 
Thomas Davis, I mean, unbelievable what he's been able to do across his career for a long time, overcoming multiple injuries, being very productive. But we're kind of iffy on Matthews and his status in this this group. And just, I mean, both of those guys with Seattle and Carolina, good defenses for a long time. I think they're locks. And I, I'll, I'll say this, Wagner would be one over Keekly. Really? Yeah, I, th- I think those Seattle defenses, Kyle, I think – Carolina had a really good stretch of defenses, right? And they're they're good right now. And they're both these defenses are good right now, but that Seattle defense, the Legion of boom, that whole thing that they had going with Bobby Wagner in the middle of it. I think that's, that's a significant narrative in the story of football. Well, and I think that's, you get that a lot with the pro football hall of fame, right? Is, is that, that matters to people. Yeah. Uh, The voters specifically. Uh, but you put these guys up side by side next to each other, Joe. It's it's pretty interesting. They both came in the league in 2012. Um, Wagner has the advantage in tackles by 11. Now, I understand both of them are over 1,000 tackles already uh, for their careers. I understand um, tackles is a pretty elementary way to look at production. Uh, so you expand beyond that, especially for linebackers. You know, you think about a guy like Zach Thomas, still not in the NFL Hall of Fame, Pro Football mm-hmm. Hall of Fame, and he should be. But he hung his hats on tackles. And, you know, Brian er- Erlacher was a first-year inductee because played on a very prominent defense yeah. Yeah. Ma- and made, made, made the complimentary supplementary plays. So yeah. that's where my eyes go. And I say, okay, uh, let's talk about interceptions, uh, ability to impact the pass game, uh, ability to rush the passer. And it's interesting because Bobby Wagner, you know how many interceptions Bobby Wagner has in his career? I don't know. He has nine. Okay. He's had four since 2014. He had five in his first two years in the NFL. Very prominent part of his game early on, not so much anymore. You know how many interceptions Luke Keekley has in his career? I'll say more. I don't know, 14? 17. Yeah. You know how many passes defensed Bobby Wagner has? Uh, in what, nine seasons? Yeah. Um, 50. 43, not bad. Pretty good. Keekley's got 59. Keekley's got more forced fumbles, 7 to 5. Wagner's got the advantage in defensive touchdowns. Wagner's got the advantage in sacks, 16 and a half to 12 and a half. Keekley's almost got 20 more tackles for loss yeah. in this point. He, he, he's unbelievable even lately. I think he led the league last year. He did not, but he had 20, okay. which was a career high far and away for him. Yeah. Wagner's never had more than 13. But as a blitzer, Bobby Wagner has 61 quarterback hits. Luke Keekley's only got 26. Hmm. Splitting. I mean, it's a splitting Harris conversation. Of course, of course. course. I would favor Keekley, but I understand your angle and where you're coming from to say for what Wagner was the staple of from a history of the game perspective, that's a difference maker uh, in Bobby Wagner's favor. Are they both 29 years old? Yeah. Wagner is 29 right now. Keekley turns 29 next April. So I th- it, what's interesting is I think both you and I, if we were given the opportunity to pick one for our team, we'd both pick Keekley, wouldn't we? Yes. Yeah. 
think so too. All right, so it's Keekley and Wagner. Keekley and Wagner are our two linebackers. Good luck trying to get anything going in the ground game with <laughs> Watt, Donald, Keekley, and Wagner as the interior four. <laughs> yeah, it's a good group. Corners. We've got Pat Pete, Stephon Gilmore, Richard Sherman, and Akid Talib currently listed. We tried to favor longevity, Joe, as you had mentioned. Mm-hmm. Um. Is there any name that stands out to you as a must-have on this list? We're going to get most of them because we got three spots for corners. Sherman? Yes. No question. And then gets- he's, another, he's another guy. I, I expected the Achilles to kill him. Yeah, it didn't. He's playing good right now, man. Yes, playing he is. A good, good front seven, really helping. He's another guy. You and I had a conversation before we went on the air. We were talking about Marcus Peters' production. Yeah. Because we were we were looking at interception leaders to kind of build a short list. And we were like, dude, Marcus Peters has 24 or 25 interceptions, and he was drafted in 2015. So 15, 16, 17, 18, 19. Five, four and a half years. Peters has 25 intersection, interceptions. Sherman, you know how many Sherman has in, in his first five years in the NFL? I think he's like the most ever. Well, he went four, eight, eight, four, and two. I'm giving him 26 <laughs> in his first five years. He was pro, all pro his second, third, and fourth year in the NFL and Pro Bowl. His. Wait, he, he did not make the Pro Bowl in 2012? I guess not. Oh, he did. I have it backwards. Sorry. No, he didn't. That makes no sense. He was all pro, but didn't make the Pro Bowl that year. God, the Pro Bowl's dumb. <laughs> Don't come at me with Pro Bowl arguments. Uh, so we got Richard Sherman. Yep. I think from a longevity perspective, Akeem Tlaib has a really strong resume. I struggle with him. And and this is this is more like superficial in terms of like just thinking about playing against these people and like what my reaction to having to deal with them is. And I never went into a game where my team was playing a key to and there was a lot of those where I'm like, we, this is going to be a problem for us. And maybe that's disrespectful I, on him, but I thought his stretch in Denver really, I didn't think he he really turned the corner like his his tenure in Tampa, right? Didn't do it for good. me. No, I mean he was he was a fine player, but he wasn't like he didn't get any accolades there. Uh, he wasn't like a super game changing type of defender. But then he goes to Denver, and I think that's really where he shined, and that's unique that a guy has to wait until he's twenty eight years old. And he's been playing, and he played with Tampa, and he played with New England. Um, and then he goes to his third team in Denver, and it, it seemed like the light bulb really came on. And I thought that's where he was at his absolute best. Those defenses were really good. I mean, Super yes. Bowl winning defense there. Um, I think Pat Pete's the obvious number two for Mikhail. I mean, he's made the Pro Bowl every year he's been in the league, and he's a three-time first-team All-Pro. 
wait, he every year, every single year, eight straight Pro Bowls to start his career, mm. and three All Pros. Put him down, brother. And he's got the ball production too, right? <laughs> you can you can really tell. Uh, it's funny you look you look at some guys and you can just look at like box scores, right? And you get impressed by the interception numbers. But I think it's always really fun to compare and contrast the passes defense versus the interceptions. And like Pat Pete hasn't had a year in the last five years in which he's gotten double digit passes defensed. And it's just because they don't throw at him anymore. Yeah. Well, they hadn't had to because there's no, no, they've never had a good compliment to him ever. Yes. <laughs> which brings us to Stefan Gilmore, who's probably the best corner in the NFL right now. Mm-hmm. And Akeem Talib are the two that we had on the list. So listen, I, I think I'm going to favor to leave because I think you make a good point. His stretch with Denver was really dominant. And I think Gilmore is amid that stretch. And yeah, like, we could look over it. this, we could look at this in four or five seasons and say, wow, that, that Gilmore stretch with New England was as good as the Tlaib stretch, you know, with Denver, but it still has to happen. And so I think we have to go with Tlaib for those reasons. Longevity. Yeah. So, and I think, I mean, to, Gilmore was good for the bills. I mean, there was people that thought he was a little overrated and stuff. I always thought he was pretty good. But, I mean, the Bills just let him walk. Like, just goodbye. Like, sign a deal with somebody else. Yeah. Is that the Bills' worst personnel decision of the the millennium? It's tough, man, because it was was McDermott's first offseason with the team in 17. And uh, it was the tankier. They let him him walk and then uh, traded Darby in the same stretch of months. Yeah, I mean, so it was so stupid because Doug Whaley's the general manager. He's like a lame duck general manager that was literally just kept around for his, the scouting work his staff did. And so Sean McDermott's basically running the football team from the second he walks into the building in January, and he has to hire a staff, do something with free agency, run a draft in like 100 days. Yeah, it's a lot. And, and, and I think giving Gilmore – whatever he got was not something he was ready to do. And it was that system where everyone said, all oh, cornerbacks don't matter. Well, then what does he do with his first round pick? He drafts Trey White. <laughs> so I don't know, man. It, it, it's, you look at it now, especially you see like, oh my God, the, 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 the Jaguars got what they got for Ramsey. But I don't know. I don't, I don't know if Gilmore was perceived like that when he was, I mean, no. I thought he was a really good corner, but he wasn't like yeah game-changing corner. He wasn't widely considered one of the three best corners in the NFL no. during his time in Buffalo. No, I thought wasn't. last year was really where Gilmore flipped the switch. Right, and he was a good corner for the Bills, but he won like this, man. Safety's right. weird, Kyle. Safeties. We got Earl Thomas, Harrison Smith, Malcolm Jenkins, and Eric Weddle. Yeah. I think from a splash plays ball production perspective and the historical perspective of it that you had mentioned with Bobby Wagner. I think Earl Thomas is a very logical selection. Yep. I think he's the slam dunk. Put him in. Okay. That's great. That gives us that prowling deep middle single high ball Hawk. Earl Thomas is in. Yep. Now it gets interesting. Harrison Smith, Malcolm Jenkins, and Eric Weddle. Jeez. Okay, do you have any convictions here? 
No. Um I I, I might I might dismiss Oh. We've we've kind of had this longevity thing going, and we get that more with Jenkins and Weddle. I agree. That makes sense. Uh, so, Harrison Smith's only been in the league since we say only been in the league. He's been in the league since 2012. Jenkins came in in 20, 2009. Weddle's 2007. Yeah. So <laughs> Harrison's the the youngest of the group. And um, do you have his stats up? Harrison? Yeah. 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 What would you no, like not to... Harrison. You, do you have uh, Weddle's stats up? I do. Uh, what's his turnovers look like? Uh, interceptions. He has 29 interceptions and eight forced fumbles. Weddle does. Yep. Okay. He's comfortably got the most picks out of this group then. Jenkins has 17. Yes. Jenkins. And, and Harrison Smith's got 21. Yeah. I'm surprised that, that Malcolm Jenkins is the last place guy on from turnovers perspective. He is. I think honestly with Jenkins, it's never been like crazy production. It's been what he's meant to two different Super Bowl championship teams. Right. The saints run. And then the Eagles run in 2017. Yes. And make no mistake. Like the, the 2017 year uh, was probably the best year of his career. Not necessarily statistically speaking, but from the value and the versatility. And that's that's what makes Jenkins, to me, so special, is he can do so many different things as a corner and safety and down in the box and playing the run. And Not that Harrison Smith can't do those things or Eric Weddle hasn't done those things in his career. Jenkins, to me, is just a really strong, like, he's almost got that aura about him as a player. It, that's the argument for him. It's what he's meant to those teams, his presence, how he impacts the game in more in multiple ways. And, and Weddle does that too. And if you're looking for, if your argument's going to be production and Pro Bowls and all that stuff, well, then your answer is going to be Weddle. He's got double the Pro Bowls. He's got, you know, Malcolm Jenkins has never been all pro and Eric Weddle has been twice. Twice. And the the, the stats, goal. everything's going to favor Weddle. What Jenkins it, meant to two different Super Bowl teams and what he means when he steps on the field every single week. And whether we like it or not, Rings is a part of a Hall of Fame resume. It is. Yeah. Right. And, and it, I don't think it should be like the be all end all. But when you get in. Man, Weddle was so good, though. It's, it's not easy. And, and Jenkins, I mean, the thing is, you can make that he's very good type thing. Malcolm Jenkins? Yes. Yeah. Weddle's played longer. Weddle's played two years longer, but Weddle also comfortably has the edge in every st- significant statistical category. Yeah. I mean, he's a game-changing player in his own right. It's, yeah. It's, it doesn't... I don't know. Maybe it's not as quite as flashy at times as is, is Jenkins. I think Weddle's last few years in San Diego and then what he was able to do when he first came to Baltimore, 2016, 2017, he had 10 picks those two years combined. 
He was Pro Bowler all three years in Baltimore. Yeah. I think that does it that like this that stretch of the end of the Chargers run for Weddle and the tenure in Baltimore really stands out to me as I think that's that's a better sample size of very high level of play than anything we got from Jenkins for sustained five year stretch. I think this is our hardest decision yet. It was. But I think it's Weddle. And uh, Weddle kind of low-key compliments Earl Thomas better, too, if we want to make ourselves feel better about this. Yeah, there you go. Do you think any of the guys yeah. – the, 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 it's done now. Do you think any of these guys that, that made our team are not going to be Hall of Famers? Mm. If Antonio Brown is considered in, which we did with and without him for some of the technicalities – I could see his off the field conduct really hurting his case. Um, I think Jason Kelsey stands out as a fringe player. Yeah, I agree. I think Cameron Wake is a fringe player, but he should get in. Don't do it. I'm a Bills fan. I understand. I recognize what Cameron Wake has been in the NFL. He's a guy. You want to talk about a guy that I was not excited about playing against every freaking Dolphins game. Like, oh, I hope Cam Wake doesn't play because he's going to kick our ass. But are the voters going to look at Cam Wake and say, yes, he was the best pass rusher in the NFL for a stretch of his career? He, yeah, for one of the for 10 years, he was one of the best and at times but, arguably top two or three. But it's dumb because that's how they define it, is they're going to look and say, OK, were, were you ever at the peak of your position for an extended period of time? Can you say that about Cam Wake? Yes. Yes, I can. I think the three mo- four most fringe players on the list are Brown, Kelsey, Wake, and Aqib Talib. Yeah, I agree. Cam Wake should absolutely be in. But being completely non-objective, That's I don't why think I'm he's here. a shoe in I don't you think, think if I thought it was debatable, I'd be sitting here telling you to kick rocks? Yeah. I would. joe this is the longest podcast we've done in quite some time well congratulations 50 minutes the people got 50 minutes of draft dudes today there's no prize though well the prize is they get to listen to us talk for 50 minutes i'm anxious for the feedback i want to know what people thought about this who's this somebody's gonna come back with somebody like i can't believe you didn't talk about so and so i want to hear about it too i want to know because we we thought about this pretty hard i think we get the right team I, th- I, I agree. I agree. Tweet at the Joe Marino at grinding the tape. Let us know what your team looks like, how you think we did. And thanks for listening to this extra long episode of the draft dudes podcast. We'll talk with you guys tomorrow to go over the top 25 college football lines against spread. Thank you for listening to believe you can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.